and her and she was she was upset and a little sad by that. And I had to remind her. I said, you know, the Bible says that you're healed. And she said, yeah, but the doctor says I'm sick. And I said, and the choice becomes which one you want to believe, because whatever you believe, whichever one you hold on to, that's the one that's going to manifest in your life. Amen. And so we began talking about this issue of faith and how and how faith is a key to victorious living. Now, for those of you who've never heard me teach, because we got some new people in the place, let me just tell you, um, I say this jokingly, but I'm serious too, the more you say amen, the faster I go. Because <laughs> the faster I go, the faster we get home, uh-huh. See, amen, see, 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 amen, amen, see, see, people understand that, they got, they got that, okay? Now, I don't say that, I say that tongue-in-cheek, I say it jokingly, but realistically, that word amen is a powerful, powerful word. Why? Because amen means it is so. And so there are times today that I will be saying something that directly relates to your life, and I want you to know that you should feel comfortable if that happens to say amen to make a verbal declaration that it is so. So if I say to you that the Bible says you are healed and you are struggling with issues in your body, you ought to say it is so. If I say to you that God says that you don't have to be defeated, that you don't have to suffer from depression, if I say that God can restore your marriage, if I say God can get you a job, you ought to say, Amen. because it is so in your life. Amen? And so last week I told you that what I wanted to talk about is I wanted to talk about and help you to understand what faith is and how to appropriate faith so that you can learn to develop a systematic plan for both growing your faith and releasing your faith. How many of you know that if you, uh, that, that it's, it's one thing to have faith, it's another thing to use your faith. And it's, you know, and a lot of times people get really um, impressed by how much faith they have. But James tells us like this, he says, faith without works is what? Dead. So it's not enough just to say you have faith, we need to see your faith in action, amen? And so last week we began to talk about the promises of God and why it was so important for us to understand faith in relationship to those promises. And this is something that we said that I want to repeat. We said for every promise, for every principle, and for every prophecy that is given to you, there is a faith process necessary to bring it to pass. For every promise, for every principle, and for every prophecy ever told to you in your life, there is a faith process to bring it to pass. I can show you. How many people are proud enough to say, raise your hand, say, I'm saved? How many of you are born again? Amen. And, okay, put your hand down. In order for you to get saved, you had to, you had to get involved with the faith process. Well, what's the faith process of salvation? The faith process of salvation is, number one, you first got to believe. And the Bible says, and then once you believe, you confess with your, with your mouth and believe with your what? Heart. So if you got involved with that process, you are born again today. And, 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 and so everything in the kingdom works that way. It works through faith. And so we went to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, and we said that that was going to be one of the pivotal scriptures that we were going to be using uh, throughout this series. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to it, Galatians 3, 13 through 14. One of the things we're going to get, be able to do pretty soon is we're going to be able to project the uh, scriptures up on the screen for you so that that way... Uh, you can see it. Because I believe it's important for people not to just hear what the preacher's saying. You ought to see what the preacher's saying. Amen? But the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, it gives us a universal principle. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Somebody give God some praise. Amen. 
It says, Christ has redeemed, hath redeemed us. That means he bought us back. Uh, you and I were in sin, uh, and you say, well, I didn't do anything that bad. But you were born after uh, Adam, and Adam had sinned, so you were born into sin. It says, but Christ redeemed us for that. It says, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, or cursed is everyone that's crucified. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. Isn't, it isn't it a good thing that you, didn't get crucified for all your mess. Absolutely. It's a great thing that you didn't have to physically go up on the cross and be crucified in order to be justified. Amen? So the Bible says in Galatians 3, in Galatians 3, 13 and 14, it says Christ did that for us, that he changed places with us, that he became cursed so that we could become blessed. Amen? And so that happens because you get involved with the faith process. Verse 14 then says that the blessings of Abraham, that word blessing we said meant empowerment or the empowerment to prosper. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. And again, everything we want from God, we receive it how? By faith. Amen. And so today I want to get into um, the second part of our teaching um, from, from last week and into this week. We talked about not letting fear come into your life, because if you allow fear to come into your life, fear will cause you to have doubt and unbelief where God is concerned. Uh, if God tells you that he's going to do something in your life, but then you have a whole lot of other voices around you saying it's not going to happen, it's difficult to stay uh, believing what God said. Uh, I and I use, for example, not, not being funny, but I use, for example, um, the Arkansas Razorbacks. One of the things that I will say about, about, about their coach is that it didn't matter how many games they lost, he kept saying, we're just one game away from winning. And, and, he, and, and it sounds like, like coaches because he's just saying something, but how many of you know that, that, that he had to convince his players that it was possible? In, in fact, watch this, he convinced them it was so possible that even the people in Vegas before the game started saying that the Razorbacks were going to win, even when a whole lot of us said they weren't going to win. Okay? Why? Because... He was able to be the loudest voice in their head. If you allow the word of God to become the loudest voice in your head, doubt and unbelief will not take over your life. The Bible tells us that it's so dangerous to deal in doubt and unbelief because when we deal in doubt and unbelief, we end up being double-minded. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be, be. double-minded. What does that mean? That means tomorrow you think you ain't go, it's not going to happen. The next day you think it's going to happen. You're not, you never know. And so because of that, you're stuck between two opinions. The Bible says it like this in James chapter 3. And I want you to see it because this is so important because we're going to talk about what faith is and what faith isn't. But you need to make sure you understand that anybody who tells you that fear is okay doesn't understand what fear does. So the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, it says, Out of the same mouth come forth blessings and cursings. These things, my brethren, ought not be so. He says, on one hand, you're talking about blessings. On another hand, you're talking about cursings. He says, these things shouldn't come from the same place. He asks in verse 11, Does a fountain send forth simultaneously from the same opening fresh water and bitter water? No, the answer is no. Either a fountain is going to give you sweet water or a fountain is going to give you bitter water. But it doesn't. How many of you know that you would hate to have to go to your bathroom and every time you turn on the hot water, you got to guess whether it's going to be hot or cold? Or you turn on the cold water, you got to guess whether it's going to be cold or hot that day. 
Well, God doesn't want you to live a life of inconsistency either. Tell your neighbor, say, God does not operate in inconsistency. Right, God doesn't operate. So, so what God says is, hey, here's how to get results. And the way you get results is by believing me. It is through faith. Verse 12 asks the question, it says, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt and fresh water? In other words, you got to make a decision today in your heart. Either you believe God or you don't. Now, now, if you don't believe God, you can do like the man in the Bible said. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my what? Unbelief. So there are some things that we can believe God for easy, okay? And there are other things because of our backgrounds, because of our upbringing, because of our experiences, that it takes us more time to believe. I remember the first time I heard somebody say you could get saved, and all you had to do was believe God and ask God to come into your heart, and that he will forget all the things you had ever done. I was like, if he God, how he going to forget? Because I didn't have revelation on it. But once I got revelation on it and I heard people preach it more and more and more, then I was willing to give God a chance. And, for, and in your life, that's what you're going to have to do. Sometimes you're going to have to hear things a lot of times, but you got to be willing to give God a chance. So then the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 9, and I want you to think about this. It says, a little leaven levieth the whole lump. In other words, another way to say that is you put a little yeast in the cake, It'll make the whole cake rise. Now, how many of you know that, that we talk, people talk about having a little fear, but how many of you know you wouldn't want to have a little contamination in your drinking water? That's right. Come on. Amen? You wouldn't want to have a little contamination. I mean, you know, it's, just, it's just, just, you know, just a little sewage water in my drinking water. Nobody would want that, right? So if you don't want to have, now watch this, if you don't want to have contamination in your drinking water, why would you want to have contamination in your faith? And so if you don't want to have contamination where your faith is concerned, you've got to kick out all the doubt and unbelief and build yourself up with faith. And the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, it says the more you hear the word of God in your ear gate, the more you study it in your eye gate, the more you become convinced that it's true. And the only way to get doubt, fear, and unbelief out of your life is to get to the place where you say, you know what? I just believe God. I just, whatever God says, it settles it in my life. And so we have to make sure that we don't have fear operating in our life. Amen? And so I gave you two examples last week. We won't go through those. But the, the example I gave you about how fear works is in Job 3. You can just write it down. And then the example I gave you about how faith works is in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. And so it's really important that you make sure that you are dealing with those things in your life that is causing you to doubt God. And you, and, and you, can't, just, you can't just dismiss it. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm not going to worry about it. You really have to confront it and you really have to deal with it. Amen? So let's talk about what faith is. Okay? Faith is one of those words that is sometimes difficult to tie down. If I was to give you a piece of paper and ask you to write down what is faith to you, as many people in here as as many definitions we would get. So you have to make sure that when we begin to talk about faith, I'm not taking your definition away, but for the context of this series, I want to give you something to hold on to. So when we begin to talk about faith, here's our definition. Faith is a spiritual principle. Okay, It's a spiritual principle that taps into the creative power of God. It is a spiritual principle that has the ability to tap into the creative power of God. That creative power from God 
has been made available to each of us. So you have to understand that this creative power that faith allows us to tap into, we can tap into it and then it becomes a part of who we are. And when we do that, we are able, watch this, to transform conditions, circumstances, and situations in our natural life. In other words, in layman's terms, here's how faith works. Faith is my ability to connect with God, to change what's negative in my life. So if there's something negative in your life, you are not hopeless. You are not subject to the conditions by which uh, whatever comes your way comes your way. In fact, you ought to tell, you, tell your neighbor this. Say, neighbor, neighbor. say, I have, the I have the ability to chart my own course. That's right. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people think that they are just subject to whatever happens. And as a result, they live their life that way. But the Bible says greater is you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so if Christ is in you, Christ has the ability to change what's going on around you. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Amen. Now, why is that important? Because if you don't believe that, we're wasting our time. If you don't believe that Christ has the ability to change your life, then everything we talk about in church is was worthless. Because if, because if indeed I'm just going to be subject to whatever happens to me, then why do I have to do anything? I just live my life. And if I'm destined to be sick, if I'm destined to be broke, if I'm destined to be divorced, if I'm destined to be alone, if I'm destined to be whatever it is that's going on in my life, if I can't change that, then I'm not trying to be funny, but what good is God? So it's important for you to understand that God has not left us hopeless. In fact, the Bible says that when he ascended, he sent back the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of every one of us. And that Holy Spirit has the power to, to, uh, to allow us to tap into God's creative power and to change things in our favor. Amen? Amen? So why is faith important? Why do we talk about faith? Why do we teach faith? Well, here you go. Faith is important because the development of one's faith is as necessary to your spirit man as food is to your natural man. Most of you have already pre-planned or at least thought about what you're going to eat this afternoon. You probably have either started cooking it or you've bought it or you know the restaurant you're going to go to. And if you haven't, now that I mentioned it, you are now. <laughs> OK, so so you're now thinking about, oh, yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about where I'm going to eat. OK, that is important. Why? Because your natural body needs food. But the Bible tells us that we are not just a singular being. Right. That we are that as a person, we are. And we've been talking about this for six weeks. We are a tripartite being. And that as a tripartite being, we have a spirit, we are a spirit, we have a soul, here we go, which is our what? Mind, will, emotions, our imagination, and our intellect. It's who people think you are. When people say you crazy, they ain't talking about your spirit. No, no, no. When they say you crazy, they're talking about your soul. They're talking about the part of you that they relate to every day. And then we have a body, okay? Well, just like you're never going to skip out on a meal intentionally <laughs> most of the time to feed your natural body, you should not skip out on a meal to, to feed your spirit. Amen. And so, it's, as in, so this word, this, this word right here is as important to me 
and a portion of my life as natural food is. And if I don't neglect my natural food, I can't neglect, neglect my spiritual food. Because if I neglect my spiritual food, then all I can become is a natural person. And a natural person doesn't have the ability to change natural things. Because a spiritual thing is higher than a natural thing. So why is faith important? Because it's, it's needed for development. Number two, why is faith important? Believers have to be instructed in faith because faith is not automatic with salvation. So why do we teach on it? Because it's not automatic with salvation. You know, we used to say things like this when you got saved. They say, come on down. You know, you get saved. And they say, you got saved. They say, your, your, your hands look new. Your feet did too. But how many know you were the same person? When you got saved, your spirit man was changed, created brand new in Christ Jesus. But everything you used to say and do, you could still say and do. You had to, the only way to change that part is through development. That's through, that's through uh, development that takes time and effort and energy. So we teach on faith because faith is not automatic. Tell your neighbor, say faith, faith. is not automatic, not automatic. With, salvation. with salvation. You have to be instructed in faith. And in fact, one of the reasons that we spend so much time talking about faith and we don't spend a whole lot of time every week talking about salvation is because once you get saved, for your own practical purpose, you don't need to hear another message on salvation. Because once you get saved, you are saved. Okay? Now, I know that messes with people's theology, and people don't like that, and they go, oh, if you tell people that, then people are just going to go out and do whatever they want to do. Understand something. God is not messed up about your sin. He already knew how to fix that. So once you get saved, once you are born again, your mess-ups don't stop God from doing what he already done. Amen, somebody. It doesn't undo that. And people get, here's the thing. I could come to church and I could tell you, oh, if you mess up, you're going to have to come up here and repent. You're going to go to hell. And people be all scared and they come to church. But they wouldn't do any better. You, you ever been afraid of something and you thought, you know, I'm not going to do that no more. And then time passed by and you lost some of that fear. What did you do? That same thing again. What God is saying is this. I love you. I love you so much that I redeemed you from the curse of sin. And now if you understand that love, you don't want to go back into what you used to be into. You want to stay in this place where you're brand new. Amen. And so we want to make sure that we instruct you in faith because faith is how you receive the promises of God. Again, not to belabor the point, but after salvation, a Christian is as much saved as they ever will be. So it's important that we instruct you in faith. Now, let's talk about why we have to be instructed in faith. Okay, number one, faith is key to receiving the promises of God. And I want to show you an example. Go to Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to turn to it in, my King, in the King James. Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. Somebody shout amen. amen. Matthew chapter 9. Now, see, sometimes when you come to church, um, it, it, all, it, it, it almost feels like school sometimes. Now, there are times you go to church and it feels like a movie. And that's okay, too. But if you just always go to a movie, you never receive instruction. So it's important for you to understand that, yes, church can be fun, but if all you ever get out of church is the feeling that something was fun, when challenges come in your life, you're not able to deal with it. And that is the reason that by the droves, people are leaving church, organized church, because what they say is church doesn't have an answer for me. 
It makes me feel good, but when I get sick or when, I get to, when I'm in a, in a crisis in my marriage or when I'm in a crisis where my job is concerned or, or when I'm feeling depressed or I can't deal with my family members, I don't know what to do. But I want to tell you that the Bible has an answer for you in every situation. The Bi- we were talking uh, the other day. Listen, the Bible will tell you how to deal with conflict in your life. Amen. The Bible will tell you how to deal with con- the Bible will tell you how to talk to your boss. It'll give you wisdom about how to do everything. But if you only see the Bible as this old, uh, uninterested book of stories, then you never dive into it to find out what it can be in your life. Amen. So Matthew chapter nine, if you look at Matthew chapter nine, uh, verse twenty. Uh, two, uh, you find here um, this story of the woman who, who has this issue going on in her body. And I'm not going to read the whole story because you're familiar with it. But in verse 22, it says, but Jesus turned and, and when he saw her, he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Now, you know the story. The woman is coming to, to Jesus. She's not even supposed to be in the city. The Bible says she, has a, she had an issue of blood. So that lets us know she had a health issue going on. And because of this health issue, she was banned to the outside of the city. But she decided, if Jesus is who he says he is, I know that he can heal me. And there are sometimes you have to just be willing to believe God, even when it seems crazy. You have to be willing to say, you know what? God, I trust you enough that even if I look like a fool doing this, I'm just going to do it your way. And so what happens is she presses through. And you got to remember, now these all these people are around Jesus, but she touches the hem of his garment, which was actually his press shawl. She, reach, she reaches out and she touches one of the wings of it. And the Bible says literally he felt virtue go out of him. In other words, someone had enough faith, watch this, remember our definition, to pull into the creative power of who he was. And so when she reached out and touched him with faith, the faith that she had pulled on him and came out of him into her and cured her very, her very issue. Now tell your neighbor, say, God is, God is. no respecter of persons. So if somebody else can reach out and touch God and get delivered, then tell your neighbor, say, I can too. And you so so whatever it is and now you may not be able to, re, to physically reach out and, and, and touch Jesus like she did when he was there. But the concept is the same. You can get in the presence of God. And if you get in the presence of God, you can touch God in such a way that he will touch you. And whatever is wrong in your life, he has the ability to repair that. Amen. Amen. And now there's another example here of where we see faith in action because faith is action. Matthew chapter nine. We're still there. Just look down to verse twenty seven. In verse 27, it says, and when Jesus departed, now notice he's just been had this encounter where this woman gets healed through this issue of blood. Verse 27 says, and when Jesus departed, thence two blind men followed him, saying, and they cried out, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 28 says, and when he was come into the house, the blind came nigh to him and Jesus said unto him, believe ye that I am able to do this. Now, one translation asked a question like this. It says he asked the blind men, do you believe that I can heal you? And that's a legitimate question because I believe there are some times that we're asking God for things. And I believe the Holy Spirit is really wanting to ask us the same question. You're asking, but do you believe I can do it? Do you really believe I can do this thing? And so Jesus asked these blind men, he says, do you believe I can do this? In verse 28 says, they said unto him, Yes, Lord. In other words, yes, Lord, we believe that you can heal us. 
so that we won't be blind anymore. Verse 29 says, then Jesus touched their eyes and said to them, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, there's another translation that I like a little better, and here's what it says. It says, Jesus asked them a question. He says, do you believe I can do this? They responded to him and said, yes, Lord, we believe. And then he said to them, then become what you believe. He said, then if you believe that I can do this for you, then you become it. You become what it is that you believe. And I believe for so many of us in the body of Christ, if we grab hold to that, we can be everything God's telling us to be. Because all we have to do is become. Well, so, if, so if you're struggling with some issue, all you have to do is stop identifying yourself as that issue. Watch this. People who smoke say they are what? Smokers. Okay. But if you want to stop smoking, the first thing you have to do is quit calling yourself a? Because if you are a smoker, guess what smokers do? So, 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 if, so if you're sick in your body, the first thing you got to stop telling everybody when you see them and they say, hey, how you doing? Because most people just ask that question rhetorically anyway. I mean, they really don't want to know your whole life story. You know, how you doing? Oh, I've been sick for four years and, and, and I got eight medications. I take six times. People don't really want to know that. They really, really don't. They just saying how you're doing because it's the polite thing to do. So what you can do is practice using your words to build yourself up. People say, how you doing? You can say, you know what? I'm blessed. You know what? The Lord says I'm healed. And you can begin to call yourself what you're believing for. And if you begin to call yourself what you're believing for, you'll see it. You've heard our testimony. We've said it many, 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 many times, our testimony with Jordan. And about how when she was two years old, um, that, that basically she went from a child who, was, who had hit every milestone from, from, from zero to 24 months. And after that 24 months, she literally just shut down in terms of her speech. She stopped talking. Okay. What we didn't and, and even during that time when we were having her tested and everything else and everybody was saying, oh, she's going to be autistic. She may not ever speak, blah, 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 blah. We didn't agree with those words. We didn't then take the doctor's report and say, oh, yeah, our daughter's autistic. And everybody said, oh, she's, oh, she's autistic. We kept saying, you know what? She's fine. You know what? She's going to speak. And then every time we would get together, and it didn't happen overnight, but we would pray and we would keep saying what God said. Because sometimes in a situation, you have to be smart enough not to say what it seems like. you got to say what God said. In your life, you can't just say what it looks like. It's easy to do what people call keeping it real. But if you want to keep keeping it real, it's going to stay the same way. So, so, so what is real is what did God say? And whatever God says, this is what I'm going to say, even if it don't seem like it. And people say, well, Pastor Strickland, I think you just lying because if you say that you, you heal and you're and you sick in your body, that's a lie. It's only a lie if I'm saying something I don't believe. But if I believe I'm healed, I'm saying what God said and what God said is always true. Amen. And so we got to make sure that when we see these examples, that we have our faith in action. Tell your neighbor, say, we must. Put our, Put our faith in action. Yeah. Why? Because Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 tells us this. It says, now faith is the assurance or the confirmation. It's the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not, we do, we do not see and the conviction of their reality. So here's what faith says. Faith says that you have the ability to receive from God and it can be yours just like a title deed gives you the assurance that a home belongs to you. 
So think about this. You can take a title deed to a home and you can be in New York City and you can say to someone, here's the title deed to my home. And based on what we know about title deeds, they will believe that that house, if all the documentation checks out, that, that some house somewhere else in Arkansas belongs to you. Why? Because it's your title deed. And that title deed says it's yours. Faith is your title deed to what you believe for from God. Faith is your title deed. It's the thing that says, hey, I know that healing belongs to me. I know that happiness belongs to me. I know that joy belongs to me. Why? Because my faith connects me to whatever it is that God says belongs to me. Amen? Faith allows us to earn and maintain the ability to believe God in tough times. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. Being, a believer, being a believer does not, does not. exempt you from life's challenges. Life's now, somebody will say amen to that. Amen. Because watch this. Just because you love God and just because you believe and trust God doesn't mean that bad things won't sneak up and happen to you. And I think it's so important that believers understand that. That, 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 that believing God is not an insurance policy that nothing negative will ever happen. What it is, is a guarantee that you can overcome every negative challenge. Now, that's what it is. It's a guarantee that you can overcome every negative challenge. But the only way to overcome that negative challenge is you got to stay connected to the word because the word is what builds up your faith. Amen. Your faith is, is designed to grow. The Bible says that all of us have been given a measure of faith. Now, it's important to understand the difference between growth and development. I think I said this when we were talking about change your thinking, change your life. If you take a child and that child is alive and breathing and eating, over time that child will grow. Okay? But if you don't spend time teaching that child how to be social, teaching that child how to respond the right way, teaching that child how to behave in the right situation, you can have a child who grows up to be an adult, but still behaves like a child. So the problem for most people is they think that because they've been in church a long time, their faith has grown up. But just because you've been in church a long time doesn't mean that your faith has grown and matured. So when we talk about faith, we don't say necessarily your faith has to grow. We say your faith needs to grow, but it also needs to develop. Development is the key. How do I develop my faith? It has to be tested. It, it ha There's no way for your faith. People, people want to come to Jesus and just have everything work fine in their life. They don't want no mistakes. They don't want no mess ups. They just want everything to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then they just run away. But that's not how you develop your faith. The way you develop your faith is that your faith may be tested. Okay. Now let's go to the book of James. I want to go to the book of James. We looked at this a little bit last week, but I think it's so important that believers understand that in order for your faith to grow, it's going to have to be tested. And how many know that all tests aren't easy? And, and, so, and you know, and, and most of us, our study habits is that we cram for tests. We don't really study for tests. And, and so what happens is, in those situations, when we could be spending time every day kind of studying the Word a little bit, uh, we just kind of live in our life. And then when tragedy comes, we want to pick up our Bible and read for eight straight hours. <laughs> now, the problem with that is the same problem that you get when you take a test that way. You may be successful on that one test, but you don't learn anything long term. Yeah. 
Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. We, are we are not going to crash study for the faith test. Okay, we're just not going to do that. We're going to come and we're going to learn and we're going to figure it out day by day and we're going to grow. We're not going to be cramming for a faith test. Amen? Amen? All right. So in the book of James, here's what James says. James chapter 1, verse 2. And this throws people sometimes if you're not careful. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. In other words, it means when you fall into different tests. He says, count it joy when the test comes. Now, how many of you know that's counterintuitive to, what all, to all of us? Nobody's happy about a test. In fact, I remember I used to um, register for some of my classes. And, you know, you had that week or two in there where you could drop a class without any penalty. My first thing was to always look at the syllabus and see how many tests it was going to be. You know, if it was two tests, then I was keeping a class. If it was six tests, now nah, I got to find something else to take. Why? Because I didn't want to take the test. But you got to be ready to take the test where faith is concerned. So it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Verse 3. Watch this. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith or the testing of your faith, it does something. The Bible says it worketh patience. It worketh patience. And we said last week, let me see who remembers this, that word patience didn't mean putting up with. That word patience actually means what? Consistency. So when I have a test that challenges my faith, what it does for me is it teaches me how to be consistent. And if I can learn to be consistent, I can overcome life's challenges. How many know you should never make a life-changing decision while you're emotional? But how many know most people make life-changing decisions when they're emotional? Why? Because they, 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 they decide that at that moment, they've got to do something. But the thing you need to learn to do is to develop consistency. So here's what happens. Let's say I decide that I'm going to learn to walk in love. Okay? And that's, that's, I'm believing God that I want to learn to walk in love to a greater measure. Okay? And then it seems like everybody I'm connected to starts acting a fool. <laughs> Everybody I know is just, I, I found out my best friend done lied on me. I, I found out the people who I thought I was cool with been talking behind my back. I found out my boss, who I, who I thought really had it in for me, is thinking about transferring me to another team. It's like everything going, and how many know at that point, you could just decide to go off on everybody? You could, you could just decide to go off on everybody. But how many know that's not going to produce what you want in your life? So what you have to do is you have to remember and say, you know what? The Bible says that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what my friend said about me, I'm not going to be rude. No matter what my boss is thinking about doing, I'm going to leave it in God's hands. No matter what my friends are saying about me behind my back, I'm going to choose to treat them the same way I did before I found out the information. Why? Because this is just a test of my faith. And I realize that my faith is being tested because God wants to develop in me something called consistency. And if you learn to develop consistency, a lot of your life's challenges will go away. Amen? Now, I want to talk about what happens when you get in faith. And we're going to close with this today. I want to talk about what happens when you get in faith, when you are believing God, when you are saying, I am in faith. One of the things you're going to always be able to equate is there's always going to be action where faith is concerned. There's always going to be action where faith is concerned. How many of you know if you say, oh, I'm really passionate about, about feeding the hungry 
And every time they ask you to volunteer to feed the hungry, you're too busy. <laughs> now, you may be passionate, but what do we think about that? <laughs> we think you're not as passionate as you would say or claim to be. Why? Because your actions are screaming louder than what you're saying. And that's so important because if you tell me that you're trusting and believing God, but every time I talk to you, all you're talking about is how bad it is, I got to challenge you on whether you're believing God or not. Because people who believe God are, are typically optimistic, not pessimistic. Because if you're believing God and you believe what you say about God, you believe God's delivering you out of this situation, whatever it is. And so that's what you spend most of your time talking about. Watch this. The Bible says it like this. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So we know what you believe really based on what you say in a pressure situation. Yeah, because I told people one time, it's very easy to say, oh, I trust God for all of my finances. Well, that's easy to say when you got $25,000 in the bank and you got money over here and money over here and your bills don't equal but $200. Well, let's say, oh, yes, I trust God. I believe God. But reverse it. <laughs> and you have $200 and you got a $25,000 bill due. Now what is the conversation coming out of your mouth? On, because at that time, that's when we know what you really believe. When you really talk about, oh, I'm just going under. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, that, that's not faith. That, that, that's fear talking. And, 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 and any time fear is present, you can only get what is connecting you to the fear. We talked about that in, in last week with Job. And, and when Job, Job loved his kids. Job prayed for his kids every day. Job made sacrifices for his kids. And the Bible says that Job made those sacrifices and he did those things because he did not want his kids to disappoint God. But the Bible says that after Job did all of those things, that we must realize that he did them in fear because when his kids were, were, were killed and he lost all of his stuff, what Job said was, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. And so many times you don't realize it, but it's the thing you fear the most that comes upon you. Think about it. How many times have you said, man, I knew that was going to happen? Well, yeah, you knew it was going to happen because you had meditated on it for weeks or months before it ever happened. But the same thing is true. If your fear can connect you to something that you're afraid of and don't want, then your fear, can, then your faith can connect you to the thing that you do want. Amen? So when you are in faith, you can write these down. There are five faith expectations. And you can tell whether or not you're in faith by whether or not you have these expectations going on in your life. Number one, when you are in faith, one thing that you can always tell that is going on in your life is that you are expecting God to give you wisdom. You are, you're looking for it. When you're in faith, you're looking for God to give you an answer. What is wisdom? It's the correct application of knowledge. You're looking for God to somehow speak to you, show you through his word, through, through his rhema word, whether, whether it's through another person, a mentor, but you are believing God for wisdom. If you're not expecting God for wisdom, you are not in faith. Because when you are in faith, the reason you're in faith is because you're believing God for an answer. So number one, one of the five faith expectations, the way you can tell whether you're in faith, is that you know that you're expecting God for wisdom. Number two, if you're in faith, one of your expectations 
is that you're believing God for favor. You are believing God to intervene and to do something on your behalf that you yourself could not get done. When, you, when, 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 when you're believing that, when you're saying, you know what, I, I can be honest, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I believe God's going to raise up somebody to help me in this situation. You're, you're expecting God to do it. And when you are expecting God to do that for you, you know, there, there have been times um, in, in our lives where I, I, I've went into some situations. Uh, I remember uh, when I was, when, when Pastor and I was first going to get married and I was going to have to transfer from UCA to, um, to the U of A. And, and I was, they told me originally I was going to lose a whole, a full year. Like, I think it was, I think it was like 27 credits I was going to lose. And, and, and I already didn't want to be in school any longer than I had to be, but I sure didn't want to add a year. And I just remember, and I wasn't even like, you know, really in, 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 in this person of great faith and all that stuff. I just remember saying, God, if you want me to get married, you got to fix this. You do. Or we're going to have to push this thing back. I want to be with her, but I can't do a whole nother year of school. And so and I didn't even have the right thing. But what I did know is that God could do it. Because here's what I knew. It was a person, an individual at the University of Arkansas who was going to make that decision. It wasn't a computer system. It was some person, some individual was going to look at my transcript and they were going to decide, does this transfer or does it not? And I just started saying, Lord, put somebody new in that position. Put, put somebody who don't, who, who going to be like, yeah, I think this works. I think, and you know what? He did it. And praise God, we got married in 94 and I graduated in 95. Amen? <laughs> what, what, what I'm telling you is you can put your faith out there. And if you put your faith out there, you don't have to be perfect. God will honor you just for trusting him. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you don't have to be perfect for your faith to work. You don't. You just got to say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. So if you're in faith, you're going to be expecting God for wisdom. You're going to be expecting God for favor. And then number three, you're going to be expecting God for a plan of action. You're going to be expecting. So many people say, I'm just going to trust God. What they really mean is I don't want to think about it. No, that's what they really mean. And, oh, I'm just going to trust God. You mean you don't, really, you don't want to think. You don't want to be involved in the process. You don't want to have to go and say, okay, God, what do I do next? But God will always give you a plan of action. What is a plan of action? It is a series of divinely laid out steps to bring the acquisition of the desired result to pass. God will give you a plan of action. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes that plan of action doesn't make any sense to you naturally. And here's where people struggle. People struggle because what God is asking you to do seems so foreign. Okay? Think last week, Pastor John gave that testimony about how we how we got our first house, and and I'm t I didn't have no faith where that was concerned. I knew what our credit score looked like, and so when she first started talking about getting a house, I was like, "Well, if we're gonna get a house. You you handle it, because <laughs> I I ain't gonna go in and sit in that little booth and have them laugh at me with my credit score. No sir, mm -mm, I'm not going in there. No sir." But 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 because she was in faith about the house, God gave her a plan of action. Remember the story? She said that she was sitting at the house and, and the Lord told her to go to the bank and she was going to go. He said, no, 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 not that bank. Go to this one. And see, sometimes you think that those things that are speaking to you are, are, are just in, inconsequential, but they're not. God's trying to direct your life. That's right. That's right. 
And, and you got to be willing that, that if you say, well, I always go over here. Well, if the Lord say go over here, don't always go over there that time. Just that time, don't always do it. Follow God. Why? Because God, I, we say this all the time, God already knows what he's going to do. He, he, al he already has laid out the system to bring to pass what you desire. The issue is, will you follow him? You know, and, um, and you know, God doesn't speak through a megaphone. He, he, just, he doesn't yell at you. So in order for you to hear God, sometimes you've got to stop all the other voices and you've got to lean in and hear what God is saying. Because how many of you know there's a lot of well-meaning folk who've got a lot to say? A lot of well-meaning people. And, and, and I, do, I don't say that sarcastically. They really are well-meaning. They don't want to see you disappointed. And so because they don't want to see you disappointed, when you start explaining to them what you're believing God for, they try to reel you back in. And, and the reason they're trying to reel you back in because they're like, well, I don't want you to be disappointed. I remember so distinctively um, when Taylor uh, was playing basketball and so many people was like, well, because she's just 5'9", five, 5'10", five, you know, she's, and, and because of her body shape, they called her a tweener, which means she was in between position. She wasn't tall enough to play the post, but she really wasn't lean enough to play the forward position. And so they said, oh, she's, she's a tweener. We don't really know whether she's going to play D1. And Taylor Strickland never wavered from the fact that she was going to get a Division I scholarship. And, and there were times when, when it didn't look like they were, going, they were coming in fast enough, and she just kept saying, and, and, and remember, she would get a letter. Now, don't, I'm not telling nobody to do this. She would get a letter from a D2 school and be like, mm-mm. She wouldn't even, we was like, Taylor, you should at least open it. You should call the coach back. Maybe, but she was like, if I'm believing God, if I'm trusting God to play Division I basketball, why would I waste that coach's time? And see, I was a well-meaning dad. I'm also well mean Tay, now Tay, I'm trying to reel it back in. Ain't nothing wrong with D2. They pay for school too. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say well-meaning. But well-meaning people don't mean anything bad, but you got to know what God said to you. You got to know what God said to you because what God said to you is the only thing that's going to sustain you during the tough times. When things get tough, when people start saying, I don't think it's going to happen, when people say, oh, you just ought to give up, you just ought to throw in the towel, your faith is what's going to connect you to what God said. So if you're in faith, you believe in God for wisdom. You believe in God for favor. You believe in God for plan of action. And then number four, you believe in God for a miracle. Now, watch this. You cannot predict a miracle, but you can be in faith for one. You can absolutely be in faith for a miracle. What does that mean? That means that when I'm in faith, I'm expecting God to do something so supernatural that it blows my mind. I'm expecting God to come in and to do something that when he gets through doing it, everybody's going to know, man, God did that thing. God did that. God took that thing. God, God took that situation, a situation that should have doomed you, a situation that should have caused you to fail, a situation that should have had you to go under. But you were believing and trusting God and God came in and changed that situation around. And now you're actually better off than anybody ever thought you would be. Why? Because if I'm in faith, I can believe God for a miracle. I may not be able to predict when it's going to happen, but I can always be standing in agreement for it. So what, how do we define a miracle? It's simply the supernatural intervention of God. The supernatural intervention of God whereby he suspends, watch this, natural laws 
and gets directly involved in our lives. He suspends natural laws. In your life, there are times, I remember this, this past uh, winter when the ice was on that street and how when you guys were going there, they were literally, go, they could, they, the car couldn't stop. It was two cars there. There was no way they were not supposed to hit one of those cars. And the car slid down, and as it got to the bottom of the hill, kind of turned and got into the flow of traffic. Now, you say what you want to. That was God. That was God. And what happened is sometimes we go, oh, man, I was so lucky. No, you were so God. You were so God. Because if it wasn't a God, if it wasn't God, you'd have had a wreck and tore your car up and yourself up and everything, too. But when you live a lifestyle of faith, you can expect miracles to happen on your behalf even before you can call on. Amen. And here's what's so good about faith. The Lord said, there'll be a time where I will answer you before you even call. And so if you live a lifestyle of faith and you live a lifestyle of trusting God, there'll be times that you will need something in your life and you might not even have a chance to speak at first. But God knows you're a person of faith and he'll bring to pass the very thing that you need. So number one, we said you got to have wisdom. We said you got to have number two. We said you can expect God for favor. Number three, a plan of action. Number four, a miracle. And number five, last one, if you are in faith, you will have this, and that is the strength to endure until change comes. The strength to endure until change comes. You will develop the spiritual fortitude and wherewithal to patiently, and that word patiently means what? Consistently stand fast until your manifestation shows up. You cannot be a microwave Christian. You cannot be a person who asks God for something on Monday, and when it don't show up on Tuesday, you throw your hands up and walk away from God. I tell people so many times, in most of your lives, it took you all your life to get in this situation. It, it took, no, really, you developed your wrong thinking over the last 20 years, and now you want something to happen on Monday to undo 20 years. I'm not saying it can't happen. What I'm saying is if it doesn't happen, you still believe God the next day. You get up on Wednesday and believe God. You get up on Thursday and you believe God. You get up on Friday and you believe God. And you keep believing God. Gloria Copeland says this, and we live by it. If you are willing to stand for God forever, you won't have to stand very long. But you got to have a fortitude that says, because God made this promise, I'll never give it up. I'll, I'll, I'll never give it up. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't listen to God as he gives us direction and different things. But if God says, literally, and I tell people, if, 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 if I get sick, I'm going to believe God till I get healed until I go to heaven. But I'm not changing. I don't care how bad the progression gets. I'm not going to agree with a natural circumstance. I'm going to trust God. Because at the end of the day, what else do I have to do? Because if I give up on God, the Bible says I'm in this world without hope. And so faith allows us to maintain our hope. Amen? The Bible says this in Romans 1 and 17. It says that for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so my encouragement to you today is I want you to go back this week and I want you to begin to think about all the things you're believing God for and see how you line up with those five faith expectations. If you find yourself lacking in one of those areas, get into the word of God and develop yourself in that area. Develop yourself so that you can become a person who honestly is always expecting God for favor, 
always expecting God for a plan of action, always believing for a miracle, always having the strength to endure, and always expecting God for wisdom. Believe God for those five faith expectations. And if you do, I'm telling you, you will see your life begin to change. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord some praise. Amen. We're done for today. Amen.